We're going to be starting there at 1 Corinthians chapter, actually chapter 11. I said chapter 10. I have 10 on my mind. 1 Corinthians chapter 11. We're going to get going around verse, verse 18. I know a couple of y'all have commented that I have a, another suit on. At, uh, uh, this, is the kind of, this is a suit I wear at weddings and funerals. So uh, <laughs> if you've seen me in this suit before, I, I, I apologize because I'm probably preaching at a funeral or a wedding. And I decided to go ahead and wear it this morning, wear it in a little more. But the Lord's been good. The Lord's good. He's always good. Jesus Christ is the best thing ever happened to me. And as, this, uh, as we close in these services in a few minutes... I'm going to give an opportunity for you to take Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. That's the whole reason I come up here. I come up here to preach Jesus Christ. I want to preach Him crucified for your sins. And I want you to know that He's alive and He's alive forevermore. And when I put my faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, when I was a younger man, I was about 17, 18 years old, I put my faith into Jesus Christ. That sin, that burden of sin was lifted off of me. I've never been the same. I'm not perfect. I'm never going to be perfect. I commit sin. I still do things I shouldn't do. But I know where I'm going when I take my last breath. And that's it with Jesus Christ up in heaven. Look at verse 18. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 18. Now I said all of that to say I'm going to give an invitation at the end of these services. So if you haven't ever took Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can't think of a time you have, this is your opportunity. And I wouldn't hold out long because if you're thinking, well, I'll just get saved later on. I think Jesus Christ is coming back real soon. One of the greatest signs, I think, is that they're trying to push soccer down our throat. Soccer is not a sport. Who thought soccer? They played like, what, how, many long, how long did they play for soccer? Like 60 minutes, an hour and a half, two hours, and they didn't score one point. That's supposed to be a victory for America? Oh, come on, man. We tied them. Woo! It's like, uh, I think I'll turn back over to football, real man sport. You know. All right. First Corinthians, uh, football, real football, whether you're using your hands and your feet. First, why am I hammering soccer? I have no idea. I just never have liked soccer. First Corinthians chapter 11, verse 18. For first of all, when you come together in the church, Paul writes, I hear that there be divisions among you, and I partly believe it. There's some divisions going on with the church in Corinth. And he says in verse 19, For there must be also heresies among you, that they which are the proved may be made manifest among you. You want to wonder why there's heresies, why there's things going on in the church? The Lord does that and allows that so you can see who's true and who's false. The true doctrine and the false doctrine. God allows that. To, so you can see that. He, there must be heresies, he says in verse 19. Verse 20, now ye come together, therefore into one place. This is not to eat the Lord's Supper. That's where we get the term the Lord's Supper. We're about to have the Lord's Supper. That's where we get that term right there. It's right there found in your Bible. Not to eat the Lord's Supper. They weren't getting together to eat the Lord's Supper. What they're doing is getting together to have a big feast. There's nothing wrong with that. All right, I'm a Baptist. I think everybody should have a good uh, fixing every once in a while. What the problem was, and he's about to describe, here's what was going on, verse 21. For in eating, everyone taketh before other his own supper. And one is hungry and another's drunken. He's saying, well, some of y'all show up and y'all got enough for you to eat, not enough for anybody else. Are you eating at home, coming up there, not bringing any food? Some of you are drinking, some of you are drinking too much. It applies that maybe some of them were getting drunk. There at the end of verse 21. Verse 22, what? Have you not houses to eat and drink in? Or despise ye the church of God and shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. He says, hey, if you're going to get together, make sure there's enough for everybody to eat. It's a shame that you're not spreading the wealth. And that's one thing I say. If you ever hear that we're going to have a cooking or a eating here at the church, there's always way, way more food 
than we have. For, so don't worry. If you come here and you say, well, I, don't have, I didn't bring anything to eat, don't worry. Come back. There's always, always. And every time I think there's not going to be, it's like the Lord multiplies the loaves and the bread and the fish. It's just amazing how much food is brought up here. You definitely don't want to be a diabetic eating up here because you're going to get, it's bad, bad. And I'm a diabetic, so I'm telling you it's bad. It's bad, it's good. All right, verse 23. So I, I, I want to thank the church, and before we move on, that they are that giving. That we have a church full of people that love to cook. And when they cook, they cook more, for more than enough for everybody else. Because it's not like that everywhere. Amen, Brother Keegan? It's not like that everywhere. So thankful that I'm in a church that's like that. Verse 23. Okay. When, uh, when uh, Brother... When brother, what's his name? My mind's slipping me. When brother came in with his, with his wife and we had this big old meal in the back, we had the big old meal in the back, and uh, she said, because they come from a big, huge church, she said, this is more food than we have at our church. And we, do our, and we have a lot more people at our church. So that was a compliment to you guys. All right, so I'm going to say that. I'm going to leave that on where it is. Verse 23, for I have received of the Lord, that that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. Also, or excuse me, after the same manner also he took the cup, when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, this do ye, as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death till he come. Brother Collins, do you mind praying over this sermon, please, brother? Thank you. Father, we do come to you this day. Father, thank you for our yes. life. Yes, Lord. Lord. Thank Father, you, Father. We come together, Praise brothers and sisters in Christ, Father Lord, and uh, we just uh, thank you for loving uh, each and every one of them, Father Lord. Yes. And, uh, Father, we do uh, praise you that we have the opportunity to come and be in your house, Father Lord, and we thank you for visitors you sent our way, Lord. Yes, Lord, I pray, Father, Father Lord, we just pray that you Amen. All right, we're going to be, go back up to verse 24. Go back up to verse 24. I'm going to show you three things about the Lord's Supper. I'm going to show you three things about the Lord's Supper. First thing, I'm going to show you it's a commandment. Second thing, I'm going to show you it's a memorial. And the third thing I'm going to show you about the Lord's Supper is it's a self-examination time. It's a time to self-examination. It's a commandment. It's a memorial. It's a time to self-examine. Look at verse 24. And when he had given thanks, this is Jesus Christ at the Lord's Supper, at the Last Supper before he's betrayed. He gives thanks. He's thanking it. In other words, he's praying over his food. It's a blessing to me when I'm out, out in a public at a restaurant and I see another family pray over their food. That's a real blessing to me. And you can make a good Christian testimony, brothers and sisters, when you're at a restaurant, wherever you're eating at, maybe at Thanksgiving, wherever it was, and you just stop. And if there's nobody who's blessed the food, go ahead and bless the food. That's a, that's a testimony. That's a private testimony you can make. Well, the Lord does it. He gives thanks to the Lord. To God the Father, he break it and said, take it. 
Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do and remember from me. It's a commandment. It's one of the two ordinances of the church, the other ordinance being baptism. Now, neither one, baptism or the Lord's Supper, have anything to do with your salvation. This is something for a Christian to do. This is something for a Bible believer, not Bible believer, but a believer to do that believes in Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior. This is something for them to do, to be baptized and to take the Lord's Supper. It's one of the two ordinances. Now, like I said, neither one of those have anything to do with your salvation. This has to do anything to do with your salvation. Baptism has nothing to do with your salvation. I'll get into that a little bit more in a minute. Look at verse 24 again. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you, this do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood, this do ye as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. It's a memorial. In remembrance of me. This is something we do as a memorial of the sacrifice our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ did for our salvation. This is something to remember. This is not a sacrifice or a sacrament. What we're doing here is a memorial, not a sacrifice or a sacrament. Some religions will say that this supper table here is a sacrifice or a sacrament. In other words, it gives you grace. You don't get grace from bread and blood and from uh, grape juice. You get grace from Jesus Christ. And the precious blood of Jesus Christ. That's where your grace is going to come from. It doesn't come from baptism. It doesn't come from... Your baptism is not going to get you into heaven. Putting you in some water that's running out of a tap water or some old dirty water out of a tank like we've done here, that's not going to get you saved. It's what's going on in your heart. Have you put your heart on Jesus Christ? Has your mouth confessed Him as your Lord and Savior? Where's your heart at this morning? The Lord doesn't look down and say, okay, let me check this box off. This one's been baptized. This one's took the sacrament. This one. No, the Lord don't care about none of your works. He cares about faith. Where's your faith at? Is it in Jesus Christ this morning? But He wants this to be a memorial. He wants this to be something we do to remember the sacrifice He did for us for our salvation. And he says there at, in the end of verse 25, this do you as often as you drink it. It's a memorial that does not, it's not set, not a certain time. We don't have to do this every Sunday. We don't do this every Sunday. We do it as a memorial. Now, most Baptist churches, churches I've been in, they'll do it every quarter, maybe every three months. I do it probably once every eight months. I don't know. I just whenever it occurs to me to do it, when I feel like the Lord lays it on my heart, that's when we do it. I don't want to do it a whole lot because then it just isn't as special. I want it when we're here, it's a memorial. We, if we had Memorial Day every day of the week, one day out of the week, Memorial Day wouldn't mean as much. We need to take a time and say, hey, we need to remember our fallen soldiers who sacrificed for our freedom in America. And we should do that. Just like we do that here in America, we need to take as Christians and remember there's a fallen sacrifice in Jesus Christ that was given for my salvation. Yes, salvation is free. Yes, salvation is free for you to take. But it wasn't free to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. It cost Him His blood. It cost Him His broken body. It's something we need to remember. We need to remember that as we come to the Lord's Supper. That it, didn't, it wasn't free, even though it's free to us. Jesus Christ had to pay everything for it. It's a memorial. It's a memorial. It's also a memorial of his death and his return and his second coming. Amen. That's what this is. And we forget that sometimes. We forget that. We come to the Lord's Supper table. And we, we think of the blood with the grape juice. We think of his broken body with the, with the bread. And let me point out when I say his broken body, not a bone of his body was broken. His body was broken, but not a bone 
That was a prophecy of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Me and Brother Pete were talking this morning that he has a, a, his cousin's relative. I think it's a, her brother. Pete, is it her brother? He's having some heart problems. And it's the, the doctor told him, your heart is leaking water. And we were talking about that. And we're like, I didn't know your heart had water in it. Well, your heart has some water in it. And the reason why I even know that is because in the Bible it says the Roman soldiers came to Jesus Christ and they were about to break his legs like they did the other thieves that were hanging on the cross. They were about to break the legs of Jesus Christ and make sure he would go into shock and to die because they wanted to take him down off the cross. And they said, I think he's already dead. So they took a spear and they shoved it in his side and the Bible recorded that blood and water came out. That told the soldiers because they pierced that heart of his, So told the soldiers that he was dead and that blood and water both came out of his side. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, he didn't swoon on the cross. He didn't faint on the cross. He died on the cross and shed his precious blood. His body was broken for you. It's a memorial, though. Look at verse 26. It's a memorial of his return. Not only his death, but his return. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Amen. So what we're doing this morning when we come to take the Lord's Supper, yes, we're remembering that our Lord and Savior paid the ultimate sacrifice for our sins, but we're also remembering He's coming back. He's coming back. The world don't like that. The world has to go in. They go into little voting booths. They're like, I'm going to vote him for president. I'm going to vote him for senator. They want to vote for everybody. The Lord's not somebody you vote for. He's coming back if you like it or not. He's king of kings and lord of lords. And the king doesn't ask you, did you vote for me? He comes in and takes what's his. And this world belongs to him. But see, this is a special king. This, ain't no, this, this king I'm talking about, King Jesus, is, not, is unlike any other king you ever read about in history. This is the kind of king that he doesn't ask you to die for him. He dies for you. He's a special king. That's why he's king of kings. And Lord of Lords. He's everything. And He's coming back. And we're looking for Him to come back. We need to remember that there in verse 24, take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. We need to, we need to when we come into this and examine ourselves, and we're about to get into that when we examine ourselves, we need to remember that He's broken for us. It's so easy to say, Jesus was crucified. It's another thing to go through crucifixion. It's another thing to read about Lord and Savior being spit on. It's another thing to read and to think and to meditate on our Lord and Savior. The Roman soldiers took their fists and they kept hitting him in the head, hitting him in the face, hitting him. They took a rod and they beat him and they mocked him and they laughed at him and they got a scourge of whips with the nine tails with all these little nail pieces of nails in there and they whipped open his back, this raw, just raw, ripped him open. That happened because of me and because of you. What I do, Pastor, you've sinned. And the only thing that's going to pay for that sin is the precious blood of Jesus Christ. He said, well, you know what? I'll just pay for my own sin. It won't work. Not in God's eyes. Your sinful blood can't justify you. Your sinful works can't justify you. The only thing that's going to justify you in God's eyes is the precious blood of Jesus Christ. He's got, you, he's got to say, okay, you're awful, and you're a sinner, and you deserve hell, and you're a criminal. Yes, sir, I am. And you're a righteous, sinless man in Jesus Christ. And what he does, he takes the righteousness and the sinlessness of Jesus Christ, and he takes that and he puts it onto us. 
and he justifies us like we've never done anything wrong. He says, okay, you can go free. And as we walk free, we look back, and there's our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ hanging on the cross, bleeding and bloody and whipped and broken. All because of me and you. We got that free salvation. Praise the Lord. We were singing really loud this morning because of that salvation. But we need to remember that salvation wasn't free to Jesus Christ. It cost him his body. It cost him being embarrassed. Because we can't show you what it was like in the paintings. He hung there naked. In front of his mom in front of the whole world. Naked, bleeding, and beat, and humiliated. Not because he couldn't get down from there. You know, Pilate questioned him. Don't you know who I am? Don't you know who I am? And Jesus Christ said, I can get 12 legions of angels here right now. All Jesus Christ had to say is, come get me. And the angels would have come on down there and there would have been millions slaughtered rescuing Jesus Christ. You don't believe that? You don't believe that when Jesus Christ was being beat on and whipped on that the angels in heaven weren't just waiting, waiting for the Father to give the call so they could go down and save that innocent, innocent lamb. And the Lord just sat there with a silent, silent face as His Son was being beat and whipped and crucified. As the angels didn't understand, He was saving me and you. Our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. See, Jesus knew what he was going to do. Jesus knew what he had to do, and he tried to explain that to Peter. Peter said, no, Lord, you're not going to do that. No, Lord, I'm not going to let that. And what did Jesus say? Get behind me, Satan. That's what I must do. He must go die for mine and your sins. This is a memorial for that. This is us to remember that, that precious blood of Jesus Christ, the blood that they don't like to sing about in the songs anymore, that blood. The blood they don't like to talk about anymore. Y'all sure do have a bloody religion. I know we do. It's because our Lord and Savior was a bloody man. He's a bloody man. He's a bloody lamb. He's slain from the foundation of the world. It's the precious blood of Jesus Christ that I'm washed in. It's all about the blood. That's why we sing about the blood. It's all about the blood. And it's amazing to me where people are trying to take away the power of the blood. It's about the power of the blood that saves us. It makes no sense to you unless you're a saved lamb. Unless you're, a, a saved, uh, you're saved in the precious blood of Jesus Christ, you're never going to understand what I'm talking about. It just go right over your head. These are spiritual things. But once you're saved, you, incur, you, you love them. Look at verse 27. It's a time of commandment. It's a time of a memorial, but it's also a time of self-examination. It's a time of self-examination. Look at... Uh, Look at verse 27. Here we go. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. Pretty strong words, real strong words about drinking that unworthily. Now, we're going to get into that. I'm going to encourage you about that unworthily and what that is and how you can come worthily to eat this Lord's Supper. But we need to examine ourselves. But first thing we need to know, look at verse 29. Let's look at verse 29. First thing we need to know is this truth. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. I'm, I'm going to be damned to hell? No, you're not going to be damned to hell. Damnation is what happens in verse 30. The damnation is not damnation to hell. It's destruction. Look at verse 30. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you and many sleep. 
There's people who, because they did it unworthily, they're dealing with weakness, they're dealing with sickliness, they're dealing with death. That's what that sleep is, and I'll talk about that a few more minutes. But look back at verse 29, at the, at the bottom of verse 29. Unworthily eating, drink, damnation, look at this, to himself, not wine, not discerning, not discerning what? Not discerning the Lord's body. What is the Lord's body? We need to discern that this morning as we, before we continue on. What is the Lord's body? Well, the Lord's body is, the, is believers in Christ. Let me show you this. If you're going to get anything out of this service this morning, get this. That the body of Jesus Christ is us. We are in the body. Spiritually. Not Indian Gap. Every believer in the world is in this body of Christ. Christ. Look at 1 Corinthians 10. Just turn to the left. Just one page maybe. 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Look at verse 16. Paul has talked about this before. We've got to grab a hold of this. We've got to understand that they were, un they were drinking it unworthily because they were drinking it not discerning the Lord's body. Not discerning the Lord's body. Look at verse 16. The cup of, this is 1 Corinthians 10, verse 16. The cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? The bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? Verse 17. For we being many are one bread and one body. For we are all partakers of that one bread. We're all part of the body of Jesus Christ. Everybody in here that's a believer is part of the body of Jesus Christ. So to discern the body, the Lord's body, is to discern that everybody's a part of that body. Now what's so important about that, Pastor? Turn to chapter 11. Turn to chapter, uh, well actually chapter 12. Excuse me, chapter 12. Turn back to chapter 12. Let me show you a little bit more about this. It's very important to understand this. I'm going to get to my point in a minute, but I want to show you scripturally that, I, that this is the truth, that you are a part of the body of Christ. Everybody in here that's saved is part of this body. Look at 1 Corinthians 12, verse, 13, verse 12. Let's get the context. 12, 12. Let's get the context. For as the body is one, and hath many members, and all the members, that one body being many, or one body, so also is Christ. You've got fingers, you've got toes, you've got arms, you've got legs, you've got a nose, you've got ears, you've got eyes. There's many parts, but that, all those parts are part of one body. And then he says, verse 13, For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body. One body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. Now, what we're baptized in, that doesn't have anything to do with water baptism, because notice water's not mentioned anywhere in verse 13. It's spiritual baptism. Look at verse, end of verse 13. Have been all made to drink, not water, but spirit, into one spirit. When you, when you take Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Bible says the Holy Spirit takes you and takes you spiritually and baptizes you spiritually into the body of Christ. You, baptism doesn't mean, have anything to do with water. Baptism means immersed. So he immerses you, he immerses you spiritually into one body. You can't see it, you can't feel it, but you're part of the body of Christ. Look at verse 18. But now hath God set the members, because we're all members of the body of Christ, every one of them in the body as it hath pleased him. If they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they, are they many members, yet but one body? You can't all be arms, you can't all be legs, you can't all be eyes, can't all be ears. I don't know what part of the body you are, but you're part of the body of Christ. The truth is, you need to discern that. You need to understand that, that you are part of the body of Christ. 
That little toe means nothing to your body until you stump it. Amen? You think, I don't need that little toe. You hit it. Ah! You might be the littlest member of this body. You might be the littlest member of the body of Christ, but what you would do affects the whole body. You getting it? So why the Lord and the Romans, and Paul says, in, Paul says there in Corinthians, what he's trying to get at is, hey, you need to discern the, spiritual, the Lord's spiritual body. You need to understand that. What does he mean? You need to understand that, that what he's talking about is you, you need to self-examine, you need to self-judge yourself because you're part of a bigger group and that little bitty thing, you think you're not nothing, but that little bitty thing you're doing is affecting the whole body. I'm just one member of this body, amen, but let me walk out that door and do the wrong thing and I affect this whole church. You do. I hate to tell you, but you do. Because I've had them come to me and say, well, so-and-so attends your church. Yeah, but you know so-and-so did this. We all need forgiveness. <laughs> you need to examine yourself. Back in 11, 1 Corinthians 11. So this thirdly, thirdly, this Lord's Supper is a time of self-examination. It's a time of self-examination. Look at verse 27. Let's break these verses down again. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily, shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. So the unworthily is tied, is based on your self-examination and your self-judging. Look at verse 28. But let a man examine himself. And then look at verse 31. For if we, should, we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. The only way you come unworthily is to come unworthily and not take it serious and not examine yourself and not judge yourself. Notice, it's judge yourself, not others. This isn't a time to look around and say, well, that part of the member is not doing a good job and that part of the body is not doing a good job and that member of the body... No, it's a time to self-examine. It's time to look in the mirror, brothers and sisters. When we come to the Lord's Supper table and we start, we start meditating on Jesus Christ died for our sins, He was beaten and whipped and shed His precious blood for us, what are we doing for Him? It's time of self-examination. It's time to examine things and see, verse 28, but let a man examine himself. Not just the outward appearance. Not just the outward appearance. Not just what men and other women see on the outside of you. You, don't, you should not care what people are thinking about you or what they're looking at. What you should care about is what's going on on the inside. Deep, deep down where only you and God know what's going on. That's called self-examination. That's not looking on the outside and say, okay, well, I appear righteous and I appear good and I appear... God doesn't care about that. God cares about your heart. It's a self-examination, a self-judgment. Let every man, but let a man examine himself. And so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily, eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. So that damnation is tied to verse 30, and what he's saying there is some of you, this cause many are weak. They don't have the power of the Holy Spirit. They go to the Lord's Supper table, they don't take it serious, they're not examining themselves, they're not self-judging themselves, and the Lord is not moving in your life. 
the Holy Spirit's not moving in your life, and you feel like, well, I just don't feel as close to the Lord. Well, maybe this is one of the reasons why. You're weak. You're weak in the Holy Spirit. You're weak in your prayer life. You're weak in your Bible reading. You're weak in your, your, your witnessing power. You're weak. You say, man, I just don't feel like I've got that same oomph, that same fire. It's right here. Self-examine yourself and say, hey, what do I need to do better? What do I need to change? Why? For Jesus Christ. He's worthy of everything we do. Man, there's people that put political signs all over their cars, put them all over their yards, they fly the flags. Hey, man, more power to you, but hey, is, there, is it really worth all that? I can tell you who it is. It's Jesus Christ. He's never betrayed me. He's never let me down. And he's my king, and he's going to be king of kings. He loved me enough to die for me and get me a place in heaven waiting on me. There's nobody more worthy than that. We examine ourselves. It says that some, this caused many are weak. They lose the power of the Holy Spirit and sickly among you. Sometimes it's just bad health. Then finally he says, and many sleep. That sleep is a term there that Paul's using. It means die. Just go on to be with the Lord. I've talked about this. has been a strong theme in my messages lately, and I hate that, brothers and sisters, because I'm hitting me as much as I'm hitting you, but the Lord examines us, and he looks for fruit off of us, and he says, where's the fruit? Where's, I, know I did all this for you. I, I created you for good works. And there's no, not only is there no good works, there's evil works coming off you. There's bad fruit coming off you. And we expect the Lord to give us good health, to keep us ticking and everything. Why should he? Why should he? But if you're doing something great for the Lord, you're doing a little bit for the Lord, that will give him the incentive to keep you going. And there's many people in this church that shouldn't be going, and he's kept going. And I think that's the reason why. Verse 31, for if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. Self-judgment. Self-judgment. We're so quick to judge others. We need now to judge ourselves. We're so quick to judge others right now, this morning, we need to judge ourselves. But you notice, isn't it kind of funny how <laughs> when we judge others, we judge them pretty harsh, but when it comes to judging ourselves, we give ourselves all kinds of excuses. You ever notice that? We're kind of funny that way in our sinful nature. We're, we look at other men and they shouldn't be doing that shit. But, and when we look at ourselves and we try to self-examine ourselves, we self-judge ourselves. Say, yeah, well, you know, I was raised with a bad mom or dad. Or, I was raised this way. Or, I, you know, I was around. We have all these excuses, but we don't give them to anybody else. Brothers and sisters, it's time for us to start judging righteously. And look at ourselves and say, what am I doing for Jesus Christ? Am I doing enough for Jesus Christ? Am I slacking? Am I working enough for Jesus Am I doing more for the world than I am for Jesus Christ? Now, I don't mean that mean, and I'm not trying to say all this, say, hey, you need to be in church more often. You need to be. What I'm trying to tell you is do something for Jesus Christ. It doesn't have to be in this church. It could be in anywhere. There's 16 people on that wall right there that we're supporting that are doing everything for Jesus Christ outside of Indian Gap, outside of Texas. They're all over the world. Just do something for Jesus. And if you 